Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about coronavirus protests. Natives are getting restless. Is it good or bad? Yes, that's what's happening around the states today, uh, actually around the world. Uh, protests are in the states are demanding that mayors and governors open up cities and states and so that we can go back to normal life as we once knew it. Now, why is this happening now, today? Um, is it, are people feeling that it's about time? Are we all kind of fed up with uh, uh, lockdowns? Or um, is, are these selfish people who are, you know, the uh, Twitter calls them as a hashtag for COVIDiots, you know, COVID idiots. Um, so are these people <laughs> COVIDiots? Um, well, so I'm going to talk to you about that today, why people are doing it, why they're doing it now. Um, I'm also going to be talking about how all the different ways that we're scaring us ourselves together, ourselves, well, <laughs> we're, our society, each of us um, are scaring ourselves to death, I should say. And then I will give you, remind you, if you've been listening to some of my previous shows where I've given you tips of what you can do if you're in lockdown, um, I will be repeating them or I will be telling you new ones. Um, so let's look at this, at the lockdowns. Why, you know, how, first of all, ask yourself how you're feeling. Is this something, you know, I'll tell you, um, in California where I'm living, um, the, there is talk, of, there, are, there are protests, but there's also talk of um, some places opening up, like some counties opening up. The governor is pretty uh, hard-nosed and pretty draconian in his uh, rules of lockdown. But within the state, there are some counties that are loosening the reins, not completely, but are loosening the reins. And um, some because of protests, some because of, you know, some because of organized protests in the streets, and some because um, they have heard from their constituents how angry people are and how scared people are about the economy and um, all kinds of problems. Now, um, you know, I must say that uh, I am greeting this news or the idea that we are not going to be <laughs> possibly not gonna, Los Angeles is still locked down, but there are some other counties within California that are uh, supposed to be loosening the reins a little, as I said. So um, I must say I'm greeting that this news with some what mixed emotions because I still have lots to do. <laughs> And uh, and when we're on lockdown, you know, I've been able to get a lot done or a lot more done than when I have to be in traffic and uh, going to my office or going to various places that I have to go to. And then also being expected to do social obligations. And um, yeah, I mean, it'll be everybody's going to be expecting things. <laughs> so 
So I, I am finding myself um, not really, uh, <laughs> you know, not really that eager for it, um, except for the fact, I mean, personally, not that eager because of my personal situation. I mean, I've been doing nonstop television and radio interviews and print interviews trying to help people with this, which I have been doing from Zoom or Skype, you know, or my telephone. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> I'm able to do what I need to do um, there. But of course, I'm not happy for the country. You know, it would be selfish of me to just say, we all need to stay locked down because it's good for me. But, um, you know, for the country, clearly, this is a very scary thing the longer we are in lockdown for a lot of reasons. Um, and including, um, and especially perhaps, or most mo- affecting most of us, of course, is the economy. Um, it's almost too big to get one's hands or brain around to think of what the economy will be like when we do, when we are finally finished with lockdown and as, um, and as we get more medication for uh, coronavirus and uh, vaccine eventually and we're, in the meantime we're getting herd immunity, that is the more people who have gotten coronavirus and who have uh, survived it. And now, you know, if you were listening to my very first uh, show on Voice America, my very first Dr. Carol's Couch where I talked about coronavirus, um, I seem to remember saying at the time I was saying it wherever I could that um, the percentage of deaths was the, the, the mortality rate was going to be much lower than what some people were saying. And I kept talking about how, you know, because because, um, a lot of people were comparing or including, making it worldwide mortality rates. And that included, of course, especially at the beginning, China. And the mortality rate in China was huge. Now, China, or especially Wuhan, um, people are were living very close together. The medical care wasn't isn't as good as it is in the states, and um, so it is unfair to um, to compare it to that. Um, there are going to be many more people dying, in other words, in Wuhan than there would be in the states. And so, um, so I was saying it was one percent, um, or w- which is like the flu. You know, originally people were saying it was like the flu and not to worry and all that. And then (laughs) it kind of got out of control. Um, A lot of what especially got out of control was the sensationalistic media um, that, uh, you know, every if you turn on television, nine times out of ten, you're going to hear we're all going to die. And if if it's not said literally like that, that is certainly the message. We're all going to die. And what does that do? That makes us all feel scared and stressed out. And what does stress do? Stress ruins our immune system. So um, it weakens it. It makes us all more susceptible to getting uh, coronavirus. So it was from the beginning, from day one, the approach to telling people what we should do um, has been largely wrong. 
uh, and because most of it was coming from scientists who were in their ivory towers and like at the CDC and Dr. Fauci and uh, so out of touch with people, <laughs> real people, you know, real emotions. Uh, I tweeted, for example, um, that Dr. Fauci should take Psych 101. You know, he has no, no clue about uh, the impact on people. And, and because we've only been concentrating on um, how many feet we should stay away from each other and, how many, and wearing masks, don't wear masks, now wear masks, uh, wash down uh, uh, the things that we buy from the supermarket, don't know it now. It's, we don't have to wash them down. I mean, all these things, all this advice going back and forth and back and forth. And, of course, it's incredibly stressful. I mean, I have friends who have been washing down um, all of their stuff, getting things delivered, and then washing down all their stuff, all their food, you know, all the things from the grocery store, and then friends who went themselves and still washed down everything. And then, we're, then there was... Um, like on CNN, Dr. Gupta, he was doing a demonstration, so he had gloves, and then he said, well, you don't have to wear gloves. I mean, all of this contradictory information, when we're trying to say stay safe, uh, does nothing but make us more stressed out, weakens our immune system, and makes us more vulnerable to coronavirus. So, um, you know, these are, this is part of what is getting pe- people are sick of this. Um, you know, it's like being, people are feeling as though they are being gaslit or victims of gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you try to drive people, someone crazy. I mean, it's typically used, um, in fact, it was a movie by that name, Gaslight. Um, it was a story of how a man was trying to get his wife to think she was going crazy. And so, and then that term then came into our vocabulary of um, show, doing things and, and saying things and showing things that um, make a person, or in this case a society, doubt what the truth really is. So, um, so back and forth with all of these different things, people are finally um, just saying, you know, enough is enough. And they are protesting, as I was saying. Of course, a lot of the protests have to do with the economy, um, being worried people who own businesses or people who have been laid off from their jobs or are afraid of being laid off or people who have careers that uh, they're afraid will be um, incredibly damaged. So all of that. And, and, and even, even aside from the economy, it's just these kinds of things that I'm talking about. Just, you know, realizing that maybe um, the people who we're listening to don't really know what they're talking about from Dr. Fauci on down. I, I know I probably, I think in, probably in all my uh, Dr. Carroll's couch shows about coronavirus, and there are several, if you haven't heard the previous ones, do go back and listen. Um, I think maybe maybe not the first one, or I don't even know, but certainly in the in the other ones, I have I can't help myself from mentioning Dr. Fauci, because it has um, irritated me from day one that um, from his you know the press press uh, conferences where he is the voice of gloom and the face of uh, gloom and doom, 
and um, just you just look at his face, and he is you you know what he's saying or thinking is we're all going to die, um, and he wants the the rules you know before any city or county or certainly state opens. He wants very very draconian rules to be followed. In fact, um, it's like. <coughs> It's like uh, the rules, you know, the people who uh, made these rules made it in a way that a rat experiment, a scientific rat experiment, you know, it might work with rats, but it is not going to work with people. And just a reminder, I know I say this uh, every, every coronavirus, Dr. Carol's couch that I do, but I just want to remind you, I am not just saying whatever it is that I'm talking about, it is not just from the point of view of a psychiatrist. Um, I also have a master's in public health that I got from UCLA, and during that time, I received a fellowship from the National Institutes of Mental Health, NIMH, um, to cover, it's like a scholarship, but for a master's, and uh, to include research that I did, which was on how the media um, should address mental and physical illnesses uh, in a way that will help to prevent and treat them. And, you know, this, this is a case study for how not to do that, the wrong way for the media to act um, when, when there is an illness, a problem. Um, not looking at the psychological, first, first of all, I mean, the main part is doing all these gloom and doom stories and repeating almost hourly or in most, most outlets hourly, um, how many people died, how many people tested positive, how many people um, have come down with coronavirus, how many people have survived. I mean, the survived isn't bad, <laughs> except that when you see these big numbers, you know, it doesn't, it's not that impressive. But if you really look at the statistics carefully, uh, it tells a much better story than Dr. Couchy's face. <laughs> uh, so... Let me go on. Um, so my point with that was that, you know, I'm looking, I, so I know, in other words, uh, and certainly from being a psychology major in college uh, with honors and so on, doing all kinds of lab rat experiments. I and mean, I've done experiments with lab rats, with um, uh, uh, flies, um, fruit flies, with plants, with um, rabbits, with, even with monkeys, <laughs> Uh, and, and, and with people as well. And so I know the whole way of thinking in terms of creating an experiment and measuring it and wanting to be sure and having a control group and all of this kind of stuff. And so the, the um, uh, recommendations, the latest recommendations for what uh, places, cities and counties and states have to do in order to declare themselves free, <laughs> um, you know, to let people walk around with, a, and 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 I, not necessarily. I was going to say to let people walk around without masks, but not necessarily. Just to open. I mean, they're, you know, according to Dr. Fauci, we're still supposed to we're never supposed to shake hands again, which of course would be horrendous um, from a psychological viewpoint. We need hugs. We need four, four hugs a day. To survive, we need eight hugs a day to maintain our level of, of um, you know, to the extent to which we are happy and healthy, and then 12 
hugs a day to thrive. So if we're not even, even going to be shaking hands, uh, our society is going to be in deep, <laughs> deep trouble. Any society. I'm not just talking about America. So, um, so, uh, so I, I understand where they're coming from, but um, it's going to take too long. There are three phases. I think I'm going to talk more about this in the future, but there are three phases, and uh, at least right now. And, and in order to even get into the first phase, you have to show a decrease in the numbers of cases, the numbers of deaths, all kinds of things, all kinds of parameters, you have to show that they have decreased for four, at least 14 days. Well, that is, um, I don't know that there is any place right now where that is the case. It's certainly not the case in New York. It's certainly not the case in California or Los Angeles. Um, you know, these stringent requirements, and then, then you go to phase one if you can get into it, and then phase one has, further stringent requirements, you know, you have to show decreases in and so on. Um, so by the time we would get finished with phase three, <laughs> it's going to be uh, years from now, or at least a year from now, um, especially since there is talk of possible, um, possible recurrence, you know, that's the warning that if, uh, if we don't, if we're not good little girls and boys, and we don't stay at home with our masks on, right? And um, and do all the other things that we're being told to do. Then the punishment is going to be there will be resurgences. Well, stay tuned. When we come back, I'll tell you more about why the natives are getting restless, what, about leaving and wanting to leave lockdown, and what the pros and cons of that are, and so on. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, where we're talking today about coronavirus protests. The natives are getting restless. Is it good or bad? And um, I was telling you about uh, some of the reasons why um, the natives are getting restless, why protests are, ha- are happening more and more. And, you know, um, I, I'm wondering if, you were, if it's the same where you are, but uh, each day there are more and more cars on the road, even though we're all supposed to be in lockdown. Uh, somehow or other, people are managing, <laughs> are deciding that they have uh, essential business to do that um, makes them need to use, to drive and use their car and, and um, you know, get out there. So, so it's kind of been very gradual. Every day, it's been like a little more and a little more traffic and a little more. So, you know, it's like people, so people are kind of, basically, people are getting tired of being told what to do, especially by people who don't seem to know what they're talking about. Um, so let me, like, for example, we have had... Um, we have heard, I was talking about Dr. Fauci. Let me just mention one more thing about him. I found this out, and I, I, it's just kind of shocking to me. But uh, apparently, he, he's already thinking about who he wants to play him on TV. He wants Brad Pitt to play him on TV. Not sure what Brad Pitt is going to be thinking about that. But, um, and then we have Dr. Oz saying that it's okay to kill, he, he was trying to say how we should send the kids back to school because according to the studies, um, 2 to 3% would be killed. Now, it was very unclear how he said it, um, whether he meant 2 to 3% of kids would be killed by sending them back to school or 2 to 3% of people, you know, like they would go home and their parents, they would infect their parents or grandparents. Um, and then we have Dr. Phil, who was comparing the deaths from coronavirus to deaths from auto accidents, cigarettes, drowning, and poverty. And he, his point was that there are more people who die every year from those things than coronavirus, which is all true, except that none of those things are contagious. So these are the kind, and this, these, I mean, you, I'm sure you've probably heard of these things in regard to uh, these examples, you know, these um, uh, doctor, these different doctors saying these things and then being uh, excoriated in the media for saying things that are ridiculous. So this hearing this time and time again, kind of getting back to gaslighting, um, people are just kind of, you know, are, are think to themselves, well, I, they apparently don't know what they're talking about, and so I know just as much, or I don't care, I'm not going to be restrained by this, and I'm just going to do what I want. So, so that's a big part of it, um, tired of, of, of this gaslighting. Another thing is, um, and this is a biggie, this, this is the one reason, I mean, I, 
this is one reason why I really am for the protests. Um, and that is because the, it's a very slippery slope in terms of curtailing liberties. Uh, this year it's coronavirus. Next year, what will it be? In other words, if governments have been able to, and it's not just the U.S. governments, <laughs> there are, you know, different countries, different, just like different cities and counties and states in America are making diff- their own rules. Um, different countries have been making their own rules, like Sweden has gone with the principle of herd immunity. That is, they haven't really made many rules at all, many restrictions at all. And so their idea is, uh, and this is one valid um, principle in, um, in epidemiology, uh, to let people get sick, and then, uh, then there would, people would develop antibodies to the virus, and so there would get to be what's called herd immunity. In other words, that an increasing amount of the herd, that's us, <laughs> um, will become immune, and so in that way, it'll be able to wipe it out. That was, that was some of the thinking that used to go on um, in things like measles or chickenpox. Uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have vaccines for measles or chickenpox. In fact, people used to send uh, kids, their parents used to send kids over to other kids' homes who had measles or chickenpox. Uh, and other kinds of childhood diseases in order to get it and get it over with or, and become immune to it. And, you know, nowadays it's like uh, it's, it's, that's been a bit of an overreaction, in my opinion, in regard to how there are these vaccines for everything when they were really just considered normal diseases of childhood. In any case, I digress. Um, but so... Um, so, the different countries, I was saying, are having different rules in terms of how they're trying, in terms of restrictions or being severe or not, and how they're handling this. And, but, but the idea is, certainly in America, um, we sort of pride ourselves in freedom and liberty and democracy. You know, you've heard of those things, right? And... Um, and the idea of the government or Big Brother, like in 1984, telling us what to do, restricting our movements, telling us not to go to work. Uh, in New York, for example, they were, the um, governor or the mayor was talking about how they called certain businesses non-essential. I mean, imagine if you were doing, you had some kind of business or some kind of job and it was considered non-essential. You're, 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 what's the message? You're worthless. You don't count. You're not important. Um, you know, certainly they could have, with a little more thought, they could have come up with another word that didn't, you know, ruin everybody's self-esteem. So um, it is very scary and that's another reason, a large reason Besides the economy, a large reason, will end, and what I was saying about being sick of hearing people tell you, gaslight you. Um, another big reason is realizing that um, we are just being lemmelings. <laughs> we are we're fo- sheep. <laughs> we're just being sheep, and we're following other sheep, and maybe it's to the slaughter. 
I'm not literally saying that, you know, the government is going to kill us. What I'm saying is that we are just blindly listening and, um, and to all our li- and participating in all our liberties being curtailed. You know, there are people who are going to be, um, who are going to have, well, people, all of us will be affected financially, some of us more than others. Uh, some people have lost their whole businesses. Uh, some people have lost their jobs. I mean, there's all different ways. Some people have lost money in the stock market. There are various ways that people are being affected economically. Um, and so it's going to hurt us all to some degree. And that, you know, why people are asking themselves, why am I letting the government do this to me? Why am I closing my business? Because they're telling me to. Why they, you know, they told me that it's okay to, if you stand six feet apart. Then they found out it's 13 feet. Then um, droplets were supposed to die, and then it turns out they can last for hours or days, depending upon the surface. So, you know, it, it kind of makes sense <laughs> if you're... Um, if you're thinking, if you're a thinking person and not a sheep, it kind of makes sense that you would question all this, especially if you personally are being hurt in certain ways, but even in just a larger scale. Like when I, as I've been, as this has been progressing, and I've been watching people um, uh, shelter in place, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, stay at home, um, you know, all these euphemisms, right? It's really a lockdown. Um, you know, I've been asking myself, well, this, if this uh, virus was terrorism, and, you know, it still is out whether uh, just how much China knew, certainly China did cover up, there, is, uh, there are investigations going on, and in fact, there are even lawsuits that have started against China. And so, um, th- if someone was, uh, behind this, you know, if this was a plan of someone, whether it was a radical Islamist terrorist, which it doesn't, a group like ISIS or Al-Qaeda, which it doesn't seem to be, um, or if it was the Chinese, and people have not really, uh, it, it is, this is, there are so many interesting phenomenon, phenomena going on in the world. Um, for example, as people are beginning to investigate what really caused this, how did this, how did this disease, I mean, now it's, it's really, I mean, the original story was it was a bat being sold in a market, a wet market in Wuhan, China. Uh, and now there are more and more thoughts that more and more people who uh, are in the know who are saying that, that it actually came out of a lab in China. Now, the question is, did it come out because uh, of carelessness? Like, there were people, now it's, it's coming out, that there were people in the lab in China, a virology lab, that warned or tried to warn uh, people, like the World Health Organization or people in the States. It's not really clear yet just who exactly they tried to warn. But they did try to warn that the um, procedures the in this, virology labs in China were very sloppy and it was very dangerous in that the virus could escape. And they were studying bats in this lab and they were, you know, doing an experiment with the bats who were sick from coronavirus or they were making them sick with coronavirus and then they were studying them. And, um, 
And the one story is that, or one report is that it was one of the bats bit a man and uh, made him bleed, and that somehow that he he went to the market, uh, or the blood got to the market, or something, or the market was just uh, it really had nothing to do with the market at all, um, or you know the the exact details aren't clear. But my point is that if somebody wanted to, or some organization like Communist China wanted to bring down um, the United States, that this would have been, you couldn't have cooked up, like in a, in a uh, sci-fi movie, you couldn't have cooked up a more um, absolute way to do it, a better way to do it. Because even though it's still a, a small percentage of people who will die, the destruction to the country in these other ways will be great. So that really does give one pause. And the interesting um, phenomenon that I was starting to talk about was that countries, uh, besides the U.S., uh, now that it's, you know, now that the spotlight is on China, communist China, um, not the people, not the normal people who are uh, under the, you know, control of communist China, of the communists, now that everybody is looking to China and even filing lawsuits already to, to China um, against China, you know, um, blaming China, um, uh, countries around the world are rethinking their uh, alliances. In other words, you know, people, there are lots of, it's very complicated because there are all these trade alliances with China all over the world. And um, the World Health Organization head who I call Tedros because the rest of his name is too hard to pronounce. <laughs> uh, that's his first name, Tedros. Uh, he's going to be Teddy to me. Um, uh, he uh, had, he is from Ethiopia, and um, he, when he was, and he's not a real doctor, he, he has a PhD, but he's not a, a medical doctor, and um, he was, was elected or was appointed to some position in the government there. And um, during his time, Ethiopia became indebted to China. They borrowed a lot of money from China, which is why, clearly, um, the World Health Organization did not act as quickly as it should have. And I was talking about this from the very beginning. As 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 soon as they were refusing to call it a pandemic, uh, or make a big deal out of it from the very beginning. I mean, this, the, the coronavirus started in December, December 2019. That's when the first doctor uh, put something online to his uh, classmates from his medical school talking about how he saw this pneumonia that's very different from other pneumonias. He was trying to alert them to the fact that, you know, there are patients with this kind of strange pneumonia. And then he got silenced, the government silenced him, and then he wound up getting coronavirus and dying. And then there was another man who went around taking photographs and putting them on the Internet. They were really pretty shocking photographs. You may have seen them about um, in the hospitals in Wuhan and, um, and body bags in Wuhan trying to show that there were a lot more people sick and dying than the information was that was coming out of China. So uh, he, got, he disappeared. All of a sudden, he disappeared. So there was, there's no doubt there was a cover-up. Uh, just the details still need to be figured out. But in any case, um, 
So a lot of countries around the world are now looking at China and thinking, uh-oh, you know, uh, could they have done this on purpose? Uh, even if they didn't do it on purpose, why was their virology lab so, um, so lax in the conditions? And, uh, and really rethinking their relationship with China. But, you know, but there are a lot of things that they need to consider with that, such, such as their trade you know, what's the benefits to them to still have a good relationship to China. So, um, so, so all of these things, we're all needing to think about a lot of things, including uh, in America, whether our government, and, and it's not the president, clearly, because President Trump has been the calmest, sanest voice in all of this, so, it, you know, and fortunately for that, because otherwise people would really be thinking that the, it's the president who is big brother and who's trying to get everybody under control, keeping them in their homes and so on. But it's obviously not President Trump. Okay, well, stay tuned. We will come back and I will be talking to you more. about. There's so much to talk about. (laughs) And you will hear more of it when you come back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about coronavirus protests. The natives are getting restless. Is it good or bad? Now, I'm not trying to get you to think one way or the other, whether it's good or bad, because quite frankly, my opinion is that there are some good reasons and some bad reasons. So it really is up to you uh, to decide. And, you know, when I first heard about the protests, 
uh, my reaction was and still is like, go for it, you guys, you know, <laughs> um, because mainly because of not wanting to uh, have any liberties taken away, uh, not wanting to have this. It's a very slippery slope. If, you know, who would have thought you wouldn't have thought <laughs> that I wouldn't have thought that um, a, a mayor or a governor could make us stay at home uh, for whatever reason, you know, could, curta- could tell us what to do, tell us we had to wear masks, tell us we had to stay X amount of feet away from people, um, close our businesses, etc., etc. Et you know, it, it seemed, it would have, before this happened, it would have seemed faster, it would have seemed like a movie, like some sci-fi movie. And it's happening. And so the idea of letting it continue to happen and um, possibly go down this slippery slope now that they found they could make us do this, uh, what more are they going to make us do? And again, I'm not afraid of... uh, It's not President Trump who is doing all of these draconian roles, although he is... He's been kind of forced to listen to, to, you know, to some degree to advisors like... uh, like Fauci, but um, so it's not coming from the president. But but it, you know, if you're in a city where your mayor is saying whatever, you know, you have to do this, you can't do this. Uh, you, I mean, in California, in, in Los Angeles, it has gotten so bad. And it's, I, this is not just in Los Angeles, but I can speak from what's happening here um, more. Uh, in fact, the mayor has talked about, if not the governor has talked about getting people to report businesses that are open, that are, you know, considered so, so-called non-essential. You're supposed to tattle on people. That's what they do in, in, um, in communist China. That's what they do in, um, in, in all kinds of totalitarian places. And I think there was even a reward. Certainly there were fines on the businesses that were open that were not supposed to be according to the idea of the mayor or the, or the governor. So getting people to snitch on each other is something like from 1984. If you haven't read 1984, please do, because if you read that, you will see why, um, if you are thinking that these people who are protesting are COVIDiots, as I was saying, <coughs> selfish and so on, um, you know, read 1984 and see what a state would look like with Big Brother and big screens in your house watching you um, and, and, you know, you couldn't trust anybody because they would, they would tell Big Brother on you and then you'd be thrown into uh, hell, basically. So all of these things are very scary and so that's why uh, when I heard about it and there are more and more of them, uh, I was thinking, you go get them. Again, except for the fact that that will ruin my... <laughs> that will interfere with... Um, I mean, everything that I that I need to do... Well, almost everything, not everything. But almost a lot of what I need to do, even seeing... Even my treating patients, I have been doing that by telephone and by Zoom. So, And even being an expert witness, I have been doing that by, I just did a deposition the other day by Zoom, and it was fine. So, um, 
So I'm, and then so I go out primarily uh, to go ride my horse. So you know this this life is okay with me for for at least for now. I mean, yes, granted, I would like to be in groups of more than ten at some point. <laughs> I would like to uh, see my friends and and so on. Um, and I, I actually I was. Uh, wanting to do more speaking engagements, traveling all over. I was starting to get uh, invitations. You know, I wanted to talk about my book, my lions and tigers and terrorists, oh my, book, uh, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, which is, which a lot of the things that I recommend that parents do with kids uh, to build resilience really would, would also be apropos for the coronavirus. So anyhow, I was launching my, uh, I mean, I had already begun speaking all over the place, England and France and uh, various places, but I was planning, <laughs> planning on doing that more intensively. So yes, that, that coronavirus did ruin those plans, you know, the idea of flying all over and, and all of that. So I'm not saying I want this forever, but I just would like a little more time <laughs> to finish more things on my to-do list. But I will sacrifice myself and um, say that, you know, it is really good that people are, are showing that we are not going to be little sheep. Then um, the other thing, of course, is as a psychiatrist um, in particular, what I am concerned about is how people are, the, the lockdown is really causing lots of psychological problems um, from anxiety and depression and PTSD to suicidal um, thoughts, I've talked about that in a previous show, uh, to domestic violence and child abuse, things like that, because, you know, people are beginning, at first it might have seemed like fun, the longer it goes on, people are getting more and more irritable, especially the more scared they're getting about the, about the economy and so on. So there are more uh, eruptions happening in homes. Uh, you know, even before coronavirus, they proved Studies showed that uh, isolation in itself and loneliness in itself cause physical and psychological problems. So the more this goes on, the more people are going to be in a really bad psychological state. And getting back to terrorism, um, as I've talked about before, you know, I, since 9-11, I became the terrorist therapist, helping people cope with living under the threat of terrorism. And that's not just in regard to 9-11, that's every day. I mean, <laughs> you may not be thinking very much of terrorism these days because the, te the terror is the coronavirus. But as far as radical Islamist terrorism, um, you know, that seems people aren't really thinking about that right now. Uh, but my point is that since we are being worn down psychologically, this is a perfect time and the terrorists know it uh, the chatter from and the propaganda from ISIS and Al-Qaeda has been to spur lone wolves on to um, per perpetrating attacks because of the fact that we are in this weakened state. All right, I promised I would um, talk about 10 ways that we are scaring ourselves to death and what to do about it, but I think I will have to save that for a future... Well, okay, I think I'll just quickly mention the list, but I can't really go into it um, in detail today because we've been talking about, I've been talking about all these other things which are also important. Um, 
But these things are, and just think about it, you know, what impact these things have had on you. Sensational headlines, of course, that's number one. Crashing the stock market. Mass layoffs from failing businesses. Forcing people to isolate. Closing schools. Reporting bad news more than good news in the war on coronavirus. Not telling people what they should really be doing to protect themselves. In other words, not telling them uh, the correct information, and that would include psychological as well as physical. Canceling events and closing stores, gyms, and other businesses. Emptying jails and prisons. That, <laughs> whose bright idea that was? Um, okay, uh, they're not exactly totally emptying them, but they are letting people out uh, who don't have, I mean, different jails and prisons have different criteria, but in essence, it's that it, prisoners who either are near the end of their jail time or prison time, people who are over a certain age, um, people who haven't committed violent crimes, those kinds of things. They are deciding who can be let back out into society. Now, you know, the thing is, do you really think that, and the point of it is, presumably, the point of it is that um, coronavirus could spread in jails and prisons? Well, yeah, but if you test people and the ones who test positive, you move to uh, a different part of the prison and, and you take the people who were in those cells and put them in the non-positive cells, you know, the healthy cells, um, you just mix and match people so that all the positive people are in one part of the jail or prison. I, I mean, this whole idea, because do you think people who are going to be let out are the people who are going to be walking around with masks and standing six feet and staying home? Uh, I mean, they might be walking around with masks, but that would be to rob a grocery store or a gas station or something like that. So, in other words, it's not exactly the most responsible people who they're letting out into the world and then wondering why coronavirus is spreading, right? And then number 10, panic buying from toilet paper to guns. I mean, the guns, I'm not against guns, um, but uh, it is, it could possibly, depending upon when things are reopened and what, how deep the devastation is to the economy, there could be um, a lot of violence in society and, uh, you know, people, want, people who don't have food, people um, wanting to steal things from other people's homes, um, just all kinds of pandemonium uh, could take place. And then, of course, with more people having panic-bought guns and being more people being armed than ever... Um, you know, it could, there could be dire consequences. I hope that that's not true. That would be the extreme, but that is definitely a possibility because fear made more people buy guns who would never have done that otherwise. Again, I'm not saying anything bad about guns, except that under these circumstances, um, it is not a good situation to uh, have, <laughs> have a lot of guns out there. When there's, if there's, if it turns out that there's pandemonium. Anyhow, um, I wanted, I promised some tips for staying sane until coronavirus passes. And the number one tip is, uh, 
your attitude. You have to begin each day instead of thinking, woe is me, another day in lockdown. And it feels like solitary confinement. It feels like you're being punished, like as if you were in prison and you did something wrong. Instead, make that go away. Just, you know, blow that feeling away. Um, And instead, think of this uh, confinement as uh, a gift of time. In other words, kind of like what I was talking about, it gave me more time to do things that I wanted to do. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe, you know, most of us are on a hamster wheel to some degree or another. Once we get going again, we're going (laughs) to... Well, um, if we can, a lot of us are going to be going back on that hamster wheel. Um, and this is a pause. So use your pause button to the best of your ability. This is a time when you can read that book that you always wanted to read. You can look up that old friend that you always wanted to get in touch with. Um, you can rescue a pet. I was so happy to read this morning about pet uh, adoptions and fostering has really gone up, and I've been mentioning that uh, that you should go out and foster or really adopt, rescue a pet uh, in pr- almost many interviews that I've been doing, and I'm so glad that people are doing that because it bring- gives you companionship, and of course, it helps the poor pet. So, thank you for listening. So, you make up your mind about the protests. You know, again, there are pros and cons. You make up your mind, but go out and read 1984 in the time that you have now while we're on pause. Pause. <laughs> Pause. That's my New York accent coming through. Thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'll be with you next week. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 